This is Customer Experience Leaders, a podcast produced by Rated. It's a show where we reveal the secrets of how great brands delight their customers. On the show, we chat to the unsung heroes of customer experience, the people who are working behind the scenes to make CX great. And on each episode, you'll learn from their examples and get aha moments and practical takeaways. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey. Today, we're speaking with Rosemary Martin, Chief Customer Officer for Flybys, Australia's most popular loyalty program. Rosemary is responsible for managing commercial partnerships with Flybys partners, and also ensuring best practice customer experience across the biggest loyalty program in the country. On today's episode, you'll learn the valuable customer insights Flybys has gained throughout their 25 years of existence, and how Flybys has changed their customer experience during the pandemic. Customer Experience Leaders host, Michael Momsen, spoke to Rosemary in mid-2020. Flybys, for those of us in Australia, a lot of us are familiar probably because we get asked the question quite often, do you have flybys? I know I've probably been asked that question probably hundreds of times. Tell me a little bit about the sort of success story that is flybys because I think from an Australian loyalty standpoint, it's been one of the biggest success stories we have, right? Yeah, that's right. So Flybys has been around for, it actually turned uh, 25 this this year and today has around 8.6 million active members in the program. So we cover about uh, two thirds of Australian households and that's across a range of uh, partners that we have in our coalition um, of which Coles is the one that most are familiar. And as you say, people yes. are prompted at checkout <laughs> uh, whether they yes. have their Flybys card. And I think that's been a part of the real success of the program is that because it's so embedded in people's everyday spend and activities that we get a really high transactions and engagement with the program. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm actually interested, I'm not too sure if you know, but, but like the, the name of the program, like Flybys, it sort of insinuates that if I spend some money, I get to fly for free or I get some sort of like flight. Is that is that the genesis of the story? Yeah. But then I know that my sister-in-law is so proud of all the crockery that she has in her kitchen that came <laughs> you know, free courtesy of Flybys. So yeah, it'd be good to understand a little bit about the, the name actually. That's right. So originally it, it was all about being able to leverage your everyday spend to get you to, to where you wanted to go by a flight. So, so that was the origination. And I think over time as we've we've grown, we've recognised that people actually want to use their points for lots of different things, whether that be sort of money off their shop or a new toaster or kettle or whether that be flights. So I think we've become a lot more about member choice in terms of how they want to use their points. But you're right, originally it was very much about where your points get you on a flight. It's such a great messaging, right? Well, you're going to spend this money on your groceries anyway. Like if you're loyal to us as a brand, well, then, hey, we can kind of chip into your holiday. Like why would you not want to be part of that? <laughs> um, out of interest, what's the, what's the redemption look like now? What's the, the split if in the early days it was primarily supporting holidays? How do you tend to see the, the redemption side of things? Yeah, so we see a vast majority of people like to use their points to save money on their shop. So we do have uh, a mechanic flybys dollars, which you can then sort of choose to use across our key retail partners. So as well as Coles, we also have our uh, liquor brands, Kmart, Target and Coles Express as well. So people do that um, a lot. And we see a lot of people actually saving up their points through the course of the year and then helping to kind of pay for their big Christmas supermarket shop or buy their kids toys at Christmas time. So Christmas is a really, really key time of year for our members. Travel's very much an aspirational reward. And so you do see, you know, still there's a large portion of people that do tend to, to save up. It's quite hard to predict what people will choose to redeem their points on it's, if they haven't redeemed before. You, you find people, if they've always wanted money off if they've redeemed for money off their shop in the past, they'll tend to do that again. If they've previously wanted travel, they won't travel. But it's sort of hard. We've looked at it in the past around how we might be able to predict what people want, but it's actually quite challenging. That changes as well as people go through chapters of their life. You know, once kids come, you know, come come on board, then that probably changes the skew of potential redemptions. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And out of interest, are you familiar with like how Flyby ranks from even just a global perspective? Like I, I can't think of other programs that are as embedded sort of culturally it sort of feels to me like flybys is a bit of a unique success story or is there yeah. something that you look to as a gold standard of, of um, loyalty programs elsewhere 
we have a ongoing sort of research and, and market where we're doing a lot of brand tracking yep. and, and you know MPS and things like that. And we have seen that in terms of benchmarking against the Australian market, that certainly we've consistently been the most popular program. In terms of globally, it's much harder to benchmark. There's not that many coalition programs out there like we are. Yeah, but um, certainly I think in the you know the UK there's a few supermarket um, ones, and you do sort of look internationally in terms of trends and things, but. On a global scale, we actually tend to benchmark pretty well. And certainly in terms of the engagement rates with our own channels, they we can kind of benchmark those on a, on a global scale and that they tend to be world-leading. And that's probably a good point to kind of pivot the conversation around your role. It looks like it's a, a relatively new title in terms of leading the customer experience piece at Flybys. Tell us a little bit more about sort of how that came about, that role and, and, and your journey into that role and then sort of what, what the focuses are there. So I've been in the flybys business for a number of years and during that time I actually started out in a commercially facing role, so uh, helping to manage the relationships that we have with our various partners in the program. Over the course of the years I've sort of rotated around the business including sort of heading up the rewards portfolio, so anything to do with the redemption of points and then after coming back from parental leave uh, a little while ago I've moved into this sort of newly created role which is about bringing together a few different streams so marketing customer insights and research and experience design also consumer product proposition development as well a business that's undergoing a lot of change at the moment as well just you know as a result of the demerger between Coles and West Farmers and, and Flybars being established as an independent business about a year ago what would be good to kind of explore is the actual customer experience of being a Flybys member, um, which is obviously separate to the experience that I have in a Kmart store or in a Coles store or what have you. And obviously you, you partner with, with, with those retailers to maybe help them understand their customer experience by facilitating, you know, MPS uh, engagement surveys or whatever it may be. But specifically for the Flybys experience, I'm sort of interested in, you know, what are the, the North Star metrics of going, yes, like our members are engaged and they love this loyalty program. And like, what does great customer experience you know look like from a flybys perspective yeah sure that's a, a great question so i think what's really interesting and what i love about flybys is that it is such a sort of complex beast so you know we have upwards of 20 plus partners who are part of the program and vast majority of australians in the program too and what we see is that the customer experience i guess people could Join, choose to join the Flybys program um, by virtue of entering one of our partner stores and picking up a temporary card, or they could be coming to our own environment online. And so there's so many different touch points that you need to think about when you think mm. about the, the sort of customer experience in relation to Flybys. In terms of what we would define as a great customer experience, I guess we'd be looking at a, a few different things, but certainly one of them would be this concept of member engagement. So mm. not just, uh, I guess, how many different partners are they engaging with through our program, but also the extent to which they're able to choose to engage with the various sort of bonus point offers that we offer them mm. as well. And also we have a few different touch points in terms of web app and email as well as other channels display and, and social media too and so the extent to which they're choosing to engage with those channels and the amount of time that they're spending engaging with us through those as well. Got it, got it. So it sounds like a successful customer experience outcome is someone who's like legitimately engaged with the program as opposed to I sign up to this thing and I swipe it every now and then, but I'm kind of not really like super aware. So people that are aware of their points and, you know, maximizing personalized offers and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think for me, one of the best things about being part of Flybys is when you see the the customer feedback that comes through at Christmas or or whenever people saying, oh, I've just, you know, thanks to Flybys, I've, I've managed to you know, to pay for my Christmas shop or I've been able to buy my kids school shoes this week or, or whatever it is. And the way that you get there and the way that you get there quickly is absolutely by engaging in all the different ways that you could be earning points. And yes, you can, you absolutely will derive value by, you know, walking into store and scanning your card each time. But where we see mm. a real stick change in the value that people get back from, from flybys and, and their level of engagement is when you know, they have the Flybys app or they're opening emails and they're actually choosing to sort of activate and participate 
participate in, in the bonus point offers that are sent out by our partners. So I'd love to hear a little bit about like some of the customer experience initiatives um, that you've maybe kicked off, you know, coming in. So, I mean, clearly moving towards great member engagement, it's driven by having fantastic promotions. So <laughs> um, promotions will drive engagement, right? But I'm sure there's a, there's a ton of other stuff that's required that's, you know, centered around the customer and what it is that they want. So I'd love to hear any examples, you know, of where you've, or, or maybe you're going through the process now of driving uh, initiatives that are sort of led through a customer experience lens, as opposed to just, hey, like, what's the next promo we're going to do next? A project that we're uh, recently completed about developing some program level segmentation and personas for Flyby, so to drive a much deeper understanding of of our members at a program level. So our partners might, you know, learn quite a bit about who their customers are by virtue of their flybys membership engagement, but we hadn't really taken the time to think what is the experience at an entire program level and how and why do members choose to engage with flybys as a program. So that was a really large scale piece of work where we started by looking, I guess, across the data that we had at our disposal in terms of how and and where people were choosing to engage with flybys uh, through their shopping and then overlaid, I guess, identified some gaps in the data and, and went out with a survey to, to cohorts of uh, members. And then also we did a really intensive roadshow of focus groups, I guess, both regional and, and metro and a, a range of ages as well, just to get a really deep understanding of, you know, what are some of the underlying drivers um, behind how someone chooses to engage with flybys. And I think what that has done, that project has done, is not only has it created a really great asset in terms of a new way that we could choose to think about, you know, developing new customer propositions or perhaps, you know, buying media if we were choosing to to market flybys to our customers, but it's brought the customer to to life. So, and, Mm. and that's really important in terms of for a whole of business, you want everyone to be truly sort of, have the the member front of mind. Any stories that come to mind where you saw eyes light up or aha moments where, yeah, like as you said, that that sort of empathy for the individuals and the stories and because especially when you've got large numbers that are in the millions, it's sort of easy to go, we've got X million in this cohort and X million in that cohort. It sounds like there was something in that process that helped sort of spark that empathy and then I'm sort of interested in the outcomes of that as well. Previously, we've, we've always sort of maybe thought quite one-dimensionally about who our, who our engaged member could be. And I guess this has just helped to sort of probably broaden our, our mindsets in terms of could really be any age group or at any stage of your life and have a real sort of passion for an engagement with flybys, whereas previously I think we'd always assumed, oh, our typical engaged member is you know, perhaps someone with a young family and things and doing right. a massive grocery shop each week. And that's not necessarily the case. It's really about an attitude, I guess, that you have towards wanting to sort of maximise the the most of your spend and getting the most out mm. of every dollar. And there's there's sort of, it's almost more, there's some attitudinal things that link this cohort of really engaged customers rather than, oh, they just spend a lot of money and so therefore must get a lot of value back from that's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, instead of, I suppose, uh, almost having this archetype of what the engaged flybys member was, it sounds like what, what came to life was more of a way of thinking and that way of thinking and, and those values around, well, I want to make sure that I, I both sort of stretch this dollar and sort of maximize my rewards for these and I'm willing to go to a bit of extra effort. There's almost no archetype for that. That could be <laughs> like a retiree. That could be, you know, uh, someone, you know, starting out their, their adulthood life, et cetera, et cetera. That's exactly right. And I mean, I guess that's the value of making sure that you're combining different sort of sources of information about your customer. So it's not just sort of the the transaction level data that we have, but also, but you, you know, you just wouldn't unpick that unless you were going out there and speaking face to face to customers mm. as well or, or surveying them directly. So that zero party data is, is really important. Out of interest, how did um how did that come about? Because I mean that that's no a that's no small cost and it's no small feat. What sort of sparked that? And and, and did you sort of rely on agency to help, or is that something you you were able to do internally with the team? And then and then kind of communicating the value back to the business of this of this piece of work. I'd I'd be interested in exploring that. 
So through this process of transformation that Flybys is, is going through, we've had a change of leadership and had a new CEO join the business in February this year. And yep. he he's, you know, very much an advocate for the importance of a, a member-centric, a, a customer-first sort of approach and and recognised the value in having a better understanding of, of our membership base and yep. the importance of that um, in terms of I, I think it actually de-risks a lot of decisions that you're then making as a business as well. So mm. if we're choosing to, for example, bring a new partner into the business, previously perhaps that decision had been based more on, oh, will they seem like a good fit for the brand or, or you know, whereas now I think we have a lot more information where we can say based on what we know of our members, are they truly going to be a, a good fit for our membership base and which sort of cohort? people will they appeal to so he really I guess came into the business and, and understood and, and was really supportive of the need for this project which was great and then in terms of the way we we went about it so we have in-house I've got an awesome CX and research manager and she sort of really was the person that drove a lot of this project on but it was done very much in partnership not just with our creative agency DHE proximity, but also with some of our research partners as well. So, for example, we used a combination of agency plus two other independent researchers to conduct both the survey and focus group research as well. So it was very much a collaborative effort, finding a lot of forces. So it was a big project, but absolutely worth it. And I think probably the other thing I'd say is that to derive maximum value of the output we wanted to be really clear that this wasn't something where at the end of it we just ended up with our hairs you know five personas and you can print them out and put them on your walls but actually talking through with each of the business units to give them a really clear understanding of these segments and start to think through and and discuss with them how they might operationalize it because if what we produced wasn't actionable and there weren't a bunch of tangible outcomes off the end of it, then it sort of just becomes a bit of a, it's a nice academic exercise, but you're not going to really unlock the value. What are some examples of business units being able to get greater value of understanding your members at a, at a I suppose, a new, new level of depth, both from a kind of segmentation standpoint and, and maybe just yeah, new levels of insights? I guess one thing is just thinking through at a program level, so with the marketing team and thinking about, our program life cycle and our member life cycle. So I guess this gives us a much better understanding of with these segments, are there particular areas of the life cycle where they're getting stuck and we perhaps need to apply a different approach to sort of think about how we could nudge them into being into a, a stage of the life cycle that we'd like where they're, where they're going to be really engaged. So for example, you know, you might see that after we've onboarded people, that sort of, that they don't really move much further in their, their journey and so I think um, that's one example practical example of where we're probably going to start overlaying this segmentation approach to to understand are they clustering in certain areas of the journey and then also you know how do we need to differently communicate with them or how would we treat them differently maybe they need a different experience and they land on our website for example or maybe we need to emphasize different points depending on the segment you're in so I think that's one way and then also for partners I think just giving them probably a different understanding of the customer cohorts will help them to think about and refine the types of offers that they're providing Um, and then I think also for the upstream um, again thinking about perhaps business development or or the product team in terms of developing new, new products for the business Helping us to probably be realistic in terms of, you know, who will this partner or this product truly appeal to? What is the actual size of, of the market and how do we design it in such a way, construct the partnership or the product in such a way that it's actually really going to resonate with, with our customers? It's both holistic and maybe creating new programs and new initiatives, but it's also, you know, helping making sure that you've got the most relevant and helpful offers that, you know, with their, their problems in their life and their desires in their life. Yep. One other sort of project that has happened in the last year has been the Shake and Shop game in the Flybys app. And really where that came from was we know that our engaged customers want more ways to earn more points. But a lot of the time that is sort of dictated by partners in terms of their choosing who they would like to send offers to, right? Of course, yeah. Part of the, the rationale behind sort of having a game in the app was 
a different way of engaging with with the offers but also a key point was we actually had all of the offers they're sort of falling down and you catch them in the game and then each day you can actually choose of the offers you want which one you'd like to to take up and so it was really oh, putting nice. the choice in the in the customer's hands you almost yeah you, know, you get to kind of co-create your offer in some some respects correct it's a bit of a choose your offer sort of um choose your adventure scenario and what was actually interesting though was after the first time we ran the game we sort of made all the offers available to people to catch but it was kind of interesting in terms of the, the feedback that came through from people is just that the level of expectation that they have now that the offers are going to be personalized and relevant for them so we, we sort of had some commentary like oh why are there cat food offers coming down in, in this game you know you should know i don't have a cat so that was sort of interesting as well and i guess this time around when we relaunched the game for a second time we sort of had a bit of a think about we still want to give people the choice and flexibility offers but how can we make it a little bit more relevant Welcome to the quickfire round, Rosemary, where every question, you've got roughly 10-ish seconds to answer, so whatever's top of mind. Let me kick off with, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be either a vet or a school teacher. What's a brand that you'd look to as an example of really great customer experience? Probably my local coffee shop, because I walk in and they know exactly what I want without me having to ask. What's a skill that you're terrible at? Um... Singing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Don't ask me to prove it. <laughs> What's something that you're reading right now or some content that you're really enjoying? Right now I'm reading How to Do Nothing um, oh, yes. by Jenny Adele, which my boss actually gave to me, so okay. I'm not sure if he's trying to tell me something. <laughs> Around sometimes how doing nothing can be the most powerful. Who's someone that you really admire? Uh, probably my mum. She had a big career at a time when a, not a, a lot of females did in a, in a corporate setting, so I'm, I'm really, really proud of her. What's a non-work-related thing that you're really into right now? I'm trying to get back into golf, so I've been going ah. to the driving range a little bit since I've reopened. What's a book or content or YouTube channel or something that's made a really big impact on you? A podcast that I quite enjoy has been... Oprah's Super Soul um, oh, sessions. Yes. Yes. Um, just in terms of the diversity of thought that you um, hear from each episode and I guess some views I'm aligned to and some I'm not but it's really yep. interesting to hear all of the guests that she has on. And then finally, Rosemary, what is your guilty pleasure? Oh, it has to be cheese. Oh yeah. Any kind of cheese. <laughs> Very good. It's not even oh, guilty. With, with wine? Just, yeah, feel no guilt. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day. I embrace it. We'd love to sort of hear your, your journey so far around the internal stakeholder management piece around bringing everyone around, like, the customer experience journey, especially when you talk about that you're engaging across like marketing across like members across potential new like product offerings and then there's the actual just experience of engaging with flybys right like going to the website or calling up the service desk etc so we'd be interested in how your sort of journey in in aligning and bringing the organization together around this sort of member-centric view and, and just sort of both war stories and success stories that uh, that have come out of that sure so a key starting point is that you need to have buy-in at the top so it was really important for all of the leadership team you know who collectively have responsibility for all areas of the of the running of the business to to really buy into the fact that a member centric or customer centric approach is critical and I guess core to that was the fact that we all have you know a, a shared KPI or you know objectives and key responsibilities. We have sort of metrics that are shared um, in the customer space that we need to meet and they are metrics around engagement and that's both in terms of you know the ways in which people are engaging with the program but also digital adoption making sure that we're all sort of aligned around key metrics has really helped to you know to make sure that we're all working towards the shared purpose and I think as well our purpose by default so we're you know we're all about making everyday activities more rewarding for Australians and that is very much just member first purpose right so making sure that as an organization we're we're aligned to to that purpose and we've actually had the opportunity to redevelop all of our 
company values through the, the demerger process in the last year and, and a lot of those, so I mean, they're things like do the right thing and that's not just in the context of internally doing the right thing but absolutely doing the right thing by by our member. You know, another one is be relevant, so making sure that everything we do is about relevance to our members, you know, being generous, making sure that everything is value for, for our members. So that's been really critical too in terms of getting buy-in across the organisation is that everyone that we employ, you know, is aligned to these values and so by default sort of has the, the right attitude and, and is focused on members from the outset when we bring them into our organisation. So that's that's a really key um, point too is I guess there's the top down and then there's also the values piece and making sure that they're sort of that the values you have in your organisation sort of support that member centric approach. I think this is a really important point, especially for loyalty programs, because it can be easy you know, when you're sitting at HQ and in a business and sometimes it can be like out of genuine excitement of a new product or an offer and you're just like, I just want all my customers to be aware of this, but it can be very easy to kind of just go, we just need to send this offer out and they kind of just need to, you know, do this thing because I need to hit my target or we need to like achieve this business outcome, especially for loyalty programs, right? And that's where like a lot of loyalty programs go wrong because they just end up in this like spamming of whatever it is that the business wants and whatever the business wants to share to sort of re-architect the thinking in a way is you actually have to start with what you just talked about which is you know doing the right thing because it can also be easy to do the wrong thing like you've got data you've got all sorts of things genuinely going do you know what we want to give you rewards that are really helpful in your in your life and like you said being generous about that etc like that's such an important foundation because actually you can get off on the wrong foot or you could be responsible for customer experience and sort of bang the table on some of these things but unless you're sort of aligned at that foundational level I can see how it can be hard to get the get the momentum behind it. You've touched on a really good point and there is naturally at times there are sort of points of friction between partners as customers and and our members as as customers and and we can have sort of competing priorities there in terms of the partner perhaps wanting to you know send out an offer to as many people as, as humanly possible and it's also easier than ever before, right? Like, I mean, how easy is it to create an email and uh, and hit send to, you know, a gazillion people uh, every day? Like, the, the world's never been easier to do that. <laughs> Correct. And we, we do send a lot of emails. But I guess the point is that to make sure that um, that we sort of maintain really high sort of, you know, open and engagement rates for our emails is that, or our other channels of communication is that, you know, when a partner comes with a request to communicate with members we have a really sort of robust governance framework that we've developed that we would assess all of all of those against and that framework has absolutely been designed with the, the member or customer as, as front and center so things like is that offer sort of you know timely relevant is it provide sufficient value to our members and if it sort of doesn't hit the mark across all of those those points then we we won't send it and it can be you know an awkward conversation to have with with a partner but I guess it's just about explaining that at the end of the day if we were to continue to put a road damage the engagement that members have with our program I mean they're not going to benefit from that and ultimately no, more totally. engaged members we have the, the, the more people they have to speak to and, and the more customers they're going to have so inside of where we think about this as a golden triangle um, especially when you're building software and you sort of have customer at the top usually represented by design and product teams who are thinking about what's customer and customer value and then you kind of have the business as the other part of the you know the business is trying to achieve certain outcomes and what have you and then you have kind of engineering or the folks executing which is how to build it and those three elements of the triangle are always pushing and pulling right because the business may want to have a certain outcome and then someone says oh it's really hard to build or it's going to take us a long time or it's really easy but typically in the way traditional business you sort of just have the two bottom bits of the triangle that would decide right so the business trying to achieve this oh it's easy to do let's do it what's really great about the model that you describe is that bringing customer as part of that equation and it can never just be one of those right you can't because otherwise you have you have imbalance and sort of not you know, if, if you do everything that the customer could possibly want without any business, you know, perspective or any view on like how easy or hard it is to execute, you know, then you're not going to be able to grow and thrive and achieve, you know, customer outcomes over the long term. So, but I think what's really great in this equation is I could see how historically it could actually be quite easily sort of business and how easy is it to do. And that sort of becomes the primary decision point, you know, as opposed to, you know, what's truly valuable for the customer and, and, and what have you. So I think, you know, championing that uh, as part of that equation is, is really awesome to hear. Definitely. And I mean, you, you mentioned a triangle we have in flybys. We've got the flybys flywheel, which is effectively oh, you, you kind of have <laughs> members on the one side and it's all about right. how do we get more members and more engaged members, which in turn then feeds into 
uh, I guess, a greater opportunity for our partners, which then leads yes. to them sort of wanting to inject more value and more offerings back to members. So it sort of becomes a bit of a virtual circle. Makes sense. It'd be good to maybe just touch on what metrics you found to be the most helpful to see whether you know, you're moving towards that, you know, that North Star and that light on the hill, because I think saying all these things and and and, and bringing all this together, um, especially in larger organizations or just in organizations in general, like it's, it's easy to see when you're moving a metric. And it's obviously easy when they're revenue metrics and things like that customer experience, because sometimes it'd be a bit harder and be a bit softer. So I'm interested in how you think about North Star metrics for, for customer experience. I guess ultimately, so there's a couple of things that we always will be tracking, which would be NPS, and satisfaction metrics we're sort of always making sure i mean that's sort of fundamental so you need to make sure that 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 you have those i think too then for us as a business we have metrics because a lot of our business is about communicating with our members so it's about making sure that we have high levels of engagement across those various communication channels so what do our email open and engagement click-through rates look like um, how many people are active in our app on a sort of daily weekly monthly basis and then I think that uh, also you know how many different partners are they engaging with so are they actually shopping or, or earning points from from a number of different partners and is that trending in the right direction so those are definitely some of the member facing metrics that we'd look at and then I think on the partner side if you think then it's sort of probably about you know how many members do they have sort of shopping with them and the extent to which we've been successful in re-engaging lapsing or lapsed customers and acquiring new mm-hmm. customers for their business and then at a certainly at a campaign sort of level i'm interested in where you've maybe used like recently now that you've you're taking this sort of strong member-centric approach where you've used you know whether it be customer feedback data or mps or some of these elements to inform like programs now that they, now that you're sort of taking yeah this 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 highly member-centric approach absolutely so probably one of the biggest shifts we've had has been we've become a lot more consistent in our approach to making sure that any sort of initiative or enhancement that we're bringing to market is actually underpinned by customer research or customer feedback sometimes there might be a need for us to conduct customer research around a concept or a business idea or a new product before we go any further with it or sometimes if we sort of already know through the fact that we have you know ongoing kind of loops of feedback from customers or we have an annual program of sort of uh, customer research that would be performing we might be reasonably confident already in something in a, in a particular proposition or initiative and then it becomes much more about making sure we are properly sort of designing that experience and testing that experience with with members Mm. when we bring it to market so we've become probably I just say a lot more disciplined around that and a lot of that has been about actually in-housing and having a a research and experience manager that's I think holistically looking at the demands of the business Um, or, you know, the various initiatives and things that are coming down the pipeline, as well as thinking about what's our baseline and our BAU roadmap of activity and research that we need to do as well. So that just making sure we have a bit of a, I guess, a continuous feedback loop for us as a program, as well as making sure that the initiatives that are coming down are are kind of robustly tested with customers. No, that makes a lot of sense. And one thing that I'd love to explore is, like how you actually practically do this because you know it makes a lot of sense to say let's underpin initiatives with research and customer feedback and you know research and voice of the customer and sentiment and you want to make sure that the bets that you're making whether they be marketing bets whether they be initiative bets align to what customers you know are telling you like I'd love to sort of hear about how you sort of practically bring that to life because that's that's easily said in theory but like really quite challenging to do I think one of the first things that I did was chose to take a portion of our marketing budget and reinvest that into purely research uh, and, and customer insights because I really strongly believed that that investment was probably critical and would generate better outcomes for the business, both commercially, but even in, in a marketing sense, I think there was a bunch of sort of research and insights that if we could get those would actually help to inform the way that we spend the rest of our marketing budget and make wiser sort of investment decisions there. So an example could be, 
you know, if we're currently investing in media spend for app downloads, so getting people to, to download our app, is there sort of research that we can do to give us a better understanding of the, the types of people that, that might be interested in the app or the way that they're choosing to, what's the reason that they've downloaded the app in the first place or whatever, and that will probably help us to actually bring down our cost cost per acquisition in that space if we can then refine the messaging and the media. These are new muscles, right? Like so kind of bringing in modern research and understanding consumers I suppose there's a mix of both taking kind of the, the voice of the customer feedback that you may see uh, or hear already. And then it sounds like there's like some actual like small initiatives where you reach out to cohorts of customers to understand, you know, what's driving certain behaviors. I'd be interested in how you actually practically execute that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think as a starting point, there is a wealth of data that is available to you that you can get through, you know, people contacting your um, customer service center or through the you know we get a lot of um, you understand a lot about member pain points through just sort of reviewing the the commentary that goes on yes. our Facebook page right. for example so there's a lot there's a lot of information um, kind of already at your disposal without you having to actively you know necessarily invest in in paid research activity to find out more so I think that's always a good starting point looking at ways in which you can probably start to stitch some of that together and look for common themes and start to explore that more. The other thing is to looking at, you know, are there where it makes sense to maybe engage external providers to conduct research for you. So where you might want to outsource particular points of research. And, you know, we still do that. We don't have a large in-house, you know, research team. We we still outsource a lot of what we do, but I think what we do have is certainly a central person that's helping to I guess think strategically about how we pull it, how we pull all of it together. The starting point is having a good handle of your members and your customers today based on what they're doing and the sentiment data that you already have. And a lot of that can exist within the business, whether it be call center help desk tickets to like social media comments to, you know, giving feedback in certain places. Yeah. And I think you just sort of decide what are the the fundamental things initially that you want to focus on. For example, I'd recommend mm. everyone should probably be a market measuring MPS and satisfaction if they can right. because they're so critical. Yes. And then I guess you build on it if your business has particular projects that they're going to be, products that they're going to be bringing to market or initiatives that they're going to be launching. So try and campaign to include, you know, research and at a minimum sort of design and testing as a part of that, um, even that IT build. Looking to kind of insert yourself in that business casing process is is also quite important as well. I think just to make that's another way of securing funds is, is to make sure that you're sort of factored in as a part of that that planning process. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Maybe a good place to sort of finish on is sort of lessons that you've learned in bringing everyone together on the same page, and and what's been helpful in just that sort of stakeholder map to get better customer outcomes, right? Get better member outcomes. The fundamental thing would be getting alignment at the top of your your business, and I think the way to do that is probably you still always need to bring it back to what is the return on that investment, what and what is that commercial return and I think there's increasingly research out there that, that kind of demonstrates that the importance of customer experience and the value that that does bring back to businesses so that information is there and I think it's just about contextualizing that and for your own business and then I think if you can get the buy-in at the top then it just becomes a much easier conversation for you to sort of have across the business and the other point is that it's just so critical that customer experience is not just a responsibility of one team it's a responsibility and it's so important to have it embedded across your entire organisation. And finally, any resources that you found really helpful? Like are there any any sort of books, uh, YouTube clips or podcasts or anything that you found helpful as you've gone on this on this journey of, of championing the customer experience internally? Yeah, yeah, so aside from the CX Leaders podcast, which we do genuinely, I actually, um, we've shared a couple of those around our, our team oh, nice. in the past. So I do find That's that great. really helpful. Uh, in terms of books, Misbehaving by Richard Thaler is a is a really good book just in terms of, you know, helping to understand the way that people think and that people aren't always rational. Yes. 
which is actually really important from a research perspective as well. And I think, you know, even just the world of research is going under change now as well, like in terms of, you know, when you think upon this, you know, brand on a likelihood of like scale of 11, like, I mean, that's just not how people make purchase decisions. And so kind of getting into the amygdala brain, if you will, is really, really important around just, you know, what what's driving, you know, people's alignment to brands and purchase decisions aren't like these hyper-rational things. Absolutely. And you see that come through now in a lot of the sort of the design research and as we're sort of designing things in digital experiences, you're kind of aligning it back to some of those key sort of principles. Rosemary, really, really appreciative of uh, you being so generous with your time and sharing all things flybys. I think one of the things that I'm particularly impressed with is that I think, you know, these reward programs, it can be just be so easy to go, let's just grab as many members as we can and then kind of just spam with a bunch of offers and hopefully they click on a bunch of offers. But what I love about this conversation is there's this sort of genuine drive to going, do you know what, like we actually won't be successful as a membership program unless... Uh, our members are getting a lot of value from it and for our members to get value from it we need to understand them we need to know what drives them we need to be you know centered around that as well as of course drive the business so you're going to have you know you're going to have your business outcomes but um you know hearing how that's coming to life and how that's evolving internally like i think the future is bright all things flyby so thank you so much for, for sharing that story with us let's hope so thanks so much for your time great thanks rosemary So, Rosemary, welcome back to the epidemic <laughs> section of the podcast. I'm not too sure how exciting that sounds, but quite a bit's changed and we're about to go to air with your episode. And then we sort of thought, oh, actually, wait a minute, let's check back in and, and hear how things have traveled on your side. So, maybe from the top, the first place to start is actually your role changed. And <laughs> congratulations for how that's maybe a reflection into this promise of being more customer-centric. The scope of my role hasn't necessarily changed that much. It's really been about bringing together all the various streams related to member. So I have responsibility for better understanding our members and what what they're after from the program and, and how that then translates through to the experiences that we design for them and the products that we might build out for them or the, the various features that we might bring to market right through then to how we would communicate that out to the members as well. So it's That's really great. quite a, a sort of holistic approach with the member at the centre. So let's um, touch on pandemic for a moment. So how did flybys go about that and, 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 and what was the sort of perspective, you know, with the customer in mind and customer experience as you went through those responses and plans? Yeah, sure. I mean, it was obviously a fairly unprecedented time for, for all of us, right? And I think not only were we dealing with a rapidly changing situation, but also a significant upheaval in terms of the way that we as a business were working as well. So we were juggling juggling both of those at once. And I think for Flybys initially, it was really just about um, reacting to the immediate changes that we were seeing in people's behaviour and the situation. So for example, should we still be sending out offers if there's no stock on supermarket mm. shelves? How do we better support our partners to quickly and effectively get out key messages about change store hours and policies and things? And, and things were rapidly changing. Um, so it was also very hard to, to plan too far ahead. And then I think after a while, it became a bit more about how do we better understand our members' mindset, our customers' mindset, and how do we need to pivot just to make sure that we're still ensuring the best possible customer experience given the pandemic situation. So we did a couple of things like making sure that we were supporting our members who had purchased travel through Flybus Travel, so making mm. sure that they were able to get full refunds and point returns and things like that. We also brought about a what we called flybys from home campaign that was much more focused on um, bringing together relevant content as well as offers, all kind of linked to the changing way that people were living their lives, you know, because everyone wasn't going out and, and shopping as, as normal. And then I also think we then, I think once we looked at those, we also turned to the longer term as well and, and really needed to interrogate our our strategy and understand how and whether the the COVID pandemic situation would change that and I think really what it reinforced was that it doesn't change what we you know what we were wanting to do in the coming um, 12 to 24 months you know so things like giving people a really great digital experience they're still the right things to be doing yes but maybe we just needed to tweak the order of priorities a little bit in terms Mm. of the, the sequencing 
makes makes sense. So in some ways, like some of the things that were maybe planned previously, whether it be, you know, getting some of the plumbing right for some of the digital experiences or some of the work that had already done, it really was a case of, like you said, reassessing the priority and some of those got rocket boosters and some of them were like, oh, actually that's now front and center. And then some other things like, oh, that's not quite quite top of the list anymore. That's right. I guess as well because of the nature of flybys and the fact we're working with a range of partners across a whole heap of industries from travel through to supermarkets and fuel and they all have different needs and customers have different needs in relation to those various brands at a given time as well. So there was sort of quite a lot to be juggling and and considering. You're all very much sort of that hub and spoke that's dependent on the broad scope of partners to both deliver the value from a um, membership perspective, but then also where people are collecting and where people are shopping. And they would all have various levels of business blow up, right? So the the supermarkets are all probably too busy to take your calls because they're just trying to service demand. And then you have other areas where the demand's just fallen away like a cliff and they're, you know, just worried about the basics in business. And so then maybe tweaking something with flybys might not. How did you go about just facilitating all of that? And then again, you're obviously doing that with what's best for the member in mind, right? Absolutely. And I guess when I think about the customer for flybys, it can mean a few different things. So there's the right. member as our end-user customer, as it were, but absolutely yes. our, our partners are our customers too. And so working with um really closely just to understand how their business needs have changed and how we could best help them at that time. So for a lot of the retail businesses, it was how do we help them to really quickly and effectively get out messages that may need to about um, how their stores were operating, changes in policies, you know, special shopping hours for the vulnerable, that sort of thing. Whereas for other service-based partners, some of them weren't that impacted necessarily at all in terms of more utilities or health insurance. Um, So it might have been a little bit more of a I'm not going to say BAU because everyone's been impacted by this, but they were probably less impacted. And then for, yeah, a travel-related business, it's just about, you know, how can we support them at this time and obviously support our um, and protect our our member base as well. And then we're really lucky to have a a great um, commercial team that work closely with our partners and are sort of dedicated to understanding their needs so we can tailor experiences according to that. I'd be interested as you sort of reflect on what has been, I don't know if, for you, but certainly a month in pandemic worlds felt like half a year in normal world. <laughs> um, so as you kind of reflect on the, on the last couple of months, what were some of the, the key learnings and, and, and takeaways that you have from managing the sort of customer experience hat during such a, a stressful time? One has definitely been to make sure that we stay focused on the the customer, you know, to understand how and why their thinking has changed. And we were having fortnightly sort of sharing sessions across our entire business where the the CX team were kind of sharing some of the latest research available on customer mindset and how it was changing in relation to the situation. And so I'd say that was a really good thing. And also just on research too, probably one of the things that we had to do was probably pause some of our research projects because I'm not sure that the current situation would have yielded kind of customer feedback that was reflective of a post-pandemic environment because people's behaviours and, um, you know, daily life were so, so changed. But equally, um, a, a real win was we were, so we were forced, I guess, to move to having focus groups conducted via Um, online video as opposed to in person but we found out that they actually work really well for us and that means now that we can get a national representation of people and and our research at a reduced cost which has been a positive to come out of the situation so I guess look for the silver linings would probably be another another key reflection and I think definitely staying focused on your on your strategy right so it's really important to stay focused on the long-term absolutely look at where you need to pivot to respond to to change circumstances short term but you know try and be responsive but not overly kind of reactive and and stay focused on on the longer goal where you can I mean obviously Mm. every every business is different and then probably another one too is just making sure that it's been really important to us as a business too that we're kind of 
rallying the team and, and making sure that we're looking after each other and really our first responsibility is to make sure that everyone's health and well-being is in order and, and just making sure that we've got that team connection because you need to get that right before you can really go out and, and deliver for the business. So Yeah, absolutely. Did you find that more areas within the business look to you and your team as the like hey what's going on rosemary with our customers like what's going on with our members and 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 were you more sort of i suppose called upon to summarize what was going on absolutely and i think i mentioned those sort of um fortnightly sharing sessions and that became something that people from across the business have been there's been a really strong demand for for people to attend those from across the business because everyone is you know, genuinely trying to make sense of the situation mm. and trying to understand, you know, what is the customer's mindset right now. And it's just been so unprecedented in terms of how quickly the pandemic came about and then how quickly the situation was. I mean, there was a point where we were having, you know, daily calls as a, right. um, as a senior leadership team trying to figure out, you know, what was happening. It has increased, I think, the focus on what are our customers doing and thinking right now? Any examples or, or moments in those fortnightly sessions that have shone through as sort of aha moments for other people where either you put something on the table or you walked through either a learning or a discussion or a story where you saw some some light bulbs go off but for, for the positive or the negative for that matter? <laughs> Definitely, I would say, I think in sharing a lot of those insights, it was sort of how the the flybys from home campaign came about, which was really um, about coming together with a vehicle that all of our partners could tap into. And because of oh, the no. situation, they didn't necessarily have offers that they could be putting out there, but there may have been content that they could share. Or we may have been able to highlight, you know, some of the great work or some of the important information that they had to share with our customer base. So that was probably one thing I would say that came out of those sessions was it put probably more into um, the commercial team's mindset, thinking through how they could take that current customer mindset and link it in with with the partners that they um, that they work with. It's a wonderful example of how the team that's responsible for customer experience in all its elements isn't just this sort of silo off in a in a corner but actually when it becomes front and center especially at a moment where things are changing so much that's where kind of new ideas can spring can spring from and ensure that you're even even more relevant so congratulations to you and the team and uh, look forward to the ongoing conversation we'll check in in a year's time and uh, see see uh, see how things have progressed sounds great thanks so much Sean michael Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Rateit, the market leader in gathering in-the-moment customer feedback. If you'd like more information, head to the website rateitapp.com. That's R-A-T-E-I-T-A-P-P.com. If you have any feedback about the show, Michael would love to hear from you directly. You can reach out to him on LinkedIn. Just search for Michael Momsen. We've put a link in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey, and I'll speak to you next time.